Welcome to Modern Motherhood, where you're required to be everything to everyone all the time. We wouldn't have it any other way, but let's be honest, it's hard work. So let's talk about it, all of it, in the raw with no filter. Come and be a fly on the wall as you listen in on a chat between friends, as each week welcomes a new guest and a new topic to delve deeper around the ins and outs of not only motherhood, but life in general. The ups, the downs, the struggles, the highlights, the reality. Because the reality is, you're not alone. We're all in this together. You're listening to Mummy Republic. Welcome to the whirlwind. Hello, lovely, and welcome back to another episode of the Mummy Republic podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and I am so excited about today's episode because I am talking with someone you have heard from before. But before I do, I want to give a quick shout out to username Roger88, who left me a gorgeous five-star review and rating over on the iTunes podcast app. He says, entertainingly insightful. I feel that I am learning a lot of emotional intelligence from this podcast, being male and listening in. I'm finding it quite insightful, learning different ways to be supportive and wary of what she needs from me when she needs it. It's a great way to put myself in my partner's Jimmy Choo's. Well, how adorable is that? So cute. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to leave such a gorgeous message. It means so much to me to hear that type of feedback. So if you would like to do the same, please jump over to the iTunes podcast app and leave a rating and a review so you can let other listeners know what they're in for. And while you're there, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Now, you will be familiar with today's guest if you have listened in on season one. Today, we are welcoming back one of our beautiful mamas who, in fact, her story is one of my most listened to podcasts. So I'm not going to give too much away, but let's get into it. Today's mama, you will remember from season one where she shared her devastating loss of her son, Fox, due to strep B. But fast forward to today and she's just welcomed another beautiful boy into the world, but it certainly hasn't come without its own set of challenges. Welcome to the beautiful Michaela. How are you? Hello, I'm good. Good. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me again. Yes. (laughs) It's um, a very special honour to have you. You're the first person that I've had come back for a bit of a follow-up episode and I think that it's definitely one that I wanted to take the opportunity to do because you've, although you've had quite a journey already with Fox and then you had your beautiful daughter Elle, you've got little Cruz here who's cradled in your arms and he's just delicious. Yeah, but and said, I said it would be a boy. You did, <laughs> you I? did. I we called, called it. it. <laughs> called it. There's actual audio evidence of that. Even though I drove myself crazy the last ten weeks, thinking no, it must be a girl now. <laughs> oh no, maybe it's a boy. <laughs> Mother's intuition, right? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, you, you've had a bit of a bit of a journey with him, anyway. So let's sort of start back, I guess, from the last episode. And if you haven't listened. Push pause on this one, go back to season one, have a listen to Michaela's story with Fox and then come back and revisit this. Um, but you were pregnant at the time, things were going well with your pregnancy and how did it continue towards the end? 
Yeah. Um, well, we went away for Christmas. Um, every year we go down to Coolangatta. We started it when Elle was born, actually, just like we wanted to do a little family tradition that every year we go to Coolangatta for the Christmas time. Um, so not realising that I would actually be like 36 weeks pregnant while we're down there was <laughs> crazy. Like I did not know how I would feel at 36 weeks pregnant walking up and down a beach and back into oh. the hotel and swimming around the pool and I did a lot of sitting let's say that um but yeah I I was um I think what was I I was almost 36 weeks and mm-hmm. um I was starting to feel like the baby had dropped now I just knew like from having a transverse to breech baby once he dropped and engaged I knew it and like you could see it in my bump and I could feel it in my vagina like let's be real that was (laughs) hectic trying to walk around with something just you know it's there (laughs) you literally feel like they're gonna stick their hand out and wave and say hello or something yeah so bad it's the worst (laughs) yeah and I just I think I was in denial of the symptoms I was feeling because we had a scheduled c-section for 38 weeks so I was like oh you know like I've still got two weeks before he's um due to arrive Mm -hmm. so I was waddling around feeling horrible my back was in so much pain like Teddy was massaging it where when he could um and I just thought maybe I'm just being a bit of a sook um and then um, I think it was New Year's Eve. Like I remember in the daytime walking down to the pool to my friends and being like, oh, I just like had like a random like like splash of blood. And I was like, do you think that's a bloody show? Like I remember in my first pregnancy, like I had like a bloody show. Like, And then three days later I went into labor. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe I've just like, it's not like, it was like the tiniest thing. So I was like, oh, maybe it's not. Like, I don't have any other signs. And then that night, I just randomly started vomiting. And I was <sighs> like, oh, maybe I've eaten something wrong. Like, surely I've just eaten something wrong. <laughs> I love that you're like trying to justify it with every other possibility <laughs> under the sun. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then, um, like, my bowels had kind of changed a little bit over the next two days. And I was like, oh. I've definitely eaten something wrong. <laughs> that um, Mexican. <laughs> yeah. So um, it was then um, the 2nd of January. I woke up really early because my friend Jess Wilson, she's a photographer and an influencer. And I know she'd want me to tell you to go and follow her if I'm mentioning her name. So <laughs> at Jessica Wilson <laughs> on Instagram. I love that. Little plug. And um, she, she's an amazing photographer, by the way. If you haven't already yeah. seen those shots, my God, you need to. Yeah. So she was like, well, this is the easiest opportunity to get some, you know, final bump shots. Like, I'm not going to wake up at 2 a.m. and drive two hours down to the beach from here in Brisbane. So the fact we were all at Coolangatta, um, waking up before the sunrise was pretty easy. Mm. Oh, it was hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Especially when you're feeling huge and Yeah, I tired. got no sleep that night. Um, especially because my bowels were a bit all over the shop and I'd vomited and stuff so I wasn't feeling the best Um, but we woke up and we got some amazing sunrise images and um, about um, 10 a.m we headed home so we had spent 10 days away between down the Gold Coast and Coolangatta and then we got home and I dropped Teddy and Elle at home and we got home about midday. And then I drove um, out to Redcliffe to go pick up my dog that was staying with my grandparents. So that was about another 
hour and a half round trip there and back. And then I got home and like everything was still a mess. Like we'd just unpacked the car and Teddy'd clean the car fresh. Um, priorities, like <laughs> unpack the suitcase, hon. <laughs> clean, clean the clothes doll. Yeah. I felt like we were actually like, now when you think about it, we were nesting little things. Like he was even cleaning like the top drawer, like the knives and forks. And oh. I was like, what are you doing? Like, who thinks to do with that? Sympathy <laughs> symptoms. Yeah. And, um, and then Elle went down for a nap. And we just kind of both laid on the couch and I laid down and I was like, my words exact were, how good is it to lay on the couch and just relax? We put on a movie. And then I felt like this little pinprick in like, you know, my downstairs. And I was like, it just kind of made me jump a bit. And then I just felt a bit of gush of water. And I was like, oh, like, I think my water's just broke on. And Ted's like, what? <laughs> and I was like, hold on, let me just stand up and check. And then I stood up and it just like gushed. And I was like, oh my God, like I just felt my like instantly the body heat out of my body just like evaporate into the air and realize my waters have just broken and I've gone to the toilet to check and it's all clear and I'm just gushing and gushing. And I'm like, oh my God, like I need to get stuff. Like, what do I bring? I don't know. You just can't even think unless you've got a backpack to like trying to think what you need for hospital in that moment was not feasible at all. Um, and then we're like, okay, let's go to the hospital. Let's go. And then we're like, oh shit, we've got a toddler. What do we do with the toddler? We can't bring her. Um, so luckily we've got some friends that live, um, the next street over and she ran over and, um, looked after our toddler and I'm running around the house with the towel on me, one like between my legs as well. Like that's how quickly I was just gushing water out of me. Like I felt myself getting skinnier by the minute. <laughs> so, cause my waters with Peyton didn't break. So, and I know that everybody's different, but from like when you felt that pinprick, how did it just keep going yeah it didn't stop yeah so some people I think theirs do stop um and ease up and um it just was like a waterfall out of me and then it did ease up for a bit when we got to the hospital and I was sitting down I could feel it ease up but then I could feel like gushes release every so often oh my Um, gosh and were you getting contractions at this point no no so like I I probably played it a little bit to the doctors because like I wasn't sure they were like not sure whether to deliver the baby or not because I wasn't getting active contractions. So then I was like, oh, my back hurts. I think I'm getting a contraction. (laughs) Um, But I was doing that for a very important reason as well is because Mm. that um, with Fox, they don't know whether my waters were partially broken um, and that, you know, he was left in there for a fair bit before my labor actually began. So, um, I didn't want to risk that. And I had a different obstetrician this time than the one that I had delivered L, um, who knew my backstory with Fox very well. But unfortunately he, for the 38 week delivery, he was due to be, um, over in Japan. So we had a different obstetrician and I was worried that he was going to prolong it. Mm. Um, but fortunately, that obstetrician was in Nepal at the time, and Ben, the one that delivered L, was still here, not in yet Aww, in Japan, and he perfect. was on call. That's so, <laughs> so good. So um, once he came into hospital, straight away he was like, "Yeah, we're going to deliver this baby. Like, I don't care if you've got contractions or not. We're going to get this baby out of you." And that made me feel so relieved because I knew that he knew how important like it was to avoid any complications um, following our first birth with group B strep and any of those risks. So the fact that he was just completely on board with it um, 
was amazing and obviously I want what's best for the baby mm-hmm. um you know so if they needed to give me steroids or advise you know keeping him in an extra day or two I'd do that but he was like very confident that he'd be okay so mm. um I think it's important though that you felt heard through all of that as well and we mm. hear that a lot when it comes to you know mothers just taking the advice of doctors which I think we should because obviously they're medical professionals but you also have that feeling within yourself and with everything that you've been through it would be completely understandable for you to say no this is Mm. or play up the symptoms because you want to be heard you don't want a decision to just be made based on somebody else's idea without fully knowing what you've been through yeah absolutely um and just the moment we got into delivery I felt instantly calm I felt like it was going to be okay you know I did feel confident in the professionals that were in the room so that helped amazingly and um going into my c-section I was a bit more nervous this time just because it was a bit slow process it was classified as an emergency c-section because we Mm. weren't in the elective one that we had planned for two weeks later Um, but it was very calm so like you know I had time to get to know my anaesthetist and you know know about her kid's name and think whether to name my kid that too (laughs) Um, but the slowness also made me realize like oh my god I'm about to get a needle in my back and um, how did that feel I can't remember how it feels but um, getting it again it was it was fine like uh, you know they numb you first so it, it, the rest of it's kind of easy like I do remember one thing her saying was um are you feeling completely numb and I was like oh only on one side and then my heart kind of racing a bit because I was like oh my god am, am I not going to numb fully is it just going to be one side that's going to numb and I'm have to go, go to sleep or something and I'm going to miss this birth like you do like overthink everything but mm. I think it's like mums and women you kind of used to overthinking it all um <laughs> that's so true and they they tell you um it's funny you say that we had a our meeting with the anaesthetist the other day and he was telling me you know obviously they have to advise you of all of the potential risks and um, I think he said one in 200 women uh, have a part where they go numb but then once the surgery starts they might start to feel something or they might start to feel pressure and they can't predict that it's completely random and um, it is very rare but as a mum you kind of clutch on to that tiny little piece of information and even though you rarely hear those stories it's in your head right because we just we do that we think of all the worst case oh I know and because you're you're still all there in the head in the surgery like you're not dozed off or out of it so you do have time to think about a million things and um the next thing I think I was thinking of was like when they were cutting me open obviously I didn't know they were cutting me open um at that point but it was taking quite a while and I was like, oh, like, what's going on? Like, shouldn't the baby be out by now? And he was like, oh, I'm just going very slow because we're going through, like, scar tissue from your previous one and he wanted to just, you know, not cause any issues there. Yeah. But, like, I, I didn't know those things that they happened. That a second C-section could be a little bit longer than a first. So mm-hmm. um, just that made me a little bit nervous. Like, the little man's about to... Yeah. It's just saying hi, making an appearance in the episode. He's a loud one. (laughs) It's good that you felt, though, you could 
ask those questions because I think too it's a really daunting experience to be in a theatre you don't know how much time has gone past you're just going based on a feeling and to open up that conversation yeah. is obviously important yeah absolutely and um when they did like tell me that the baby's coming now they'd obviously opened up the cut and they said look do you want to see your baby being born and um I was like oh what what do you mean and they're like well he's like actually birthing himself on this rare occasion um he's like forcing his own head out and they said that usually like because I remember with my daughter they had to kind of push they were like okay we're going to give you two big pushes and push her out um with him he was just like slowly gracing this earth like you could see his head um just like slowly maneuvering its way out as they like assisted it and um, it was pretty amazing. It kind of like made me feel instantly calm that this baby mm. was meant to be here on this very day. Mm. Um, and then my partner said, my husband, sorry, I keep saying partner. I did that the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> You're married now. It's yeah. official. <laughs> so my husband said that the, um, I didn't hear it, but said that one of the nurses had said, oh, that's a pretty head. Mm-hmm. And instantly he thought, oh, my God, it's a girl. Like, And he's like, I think it's a girl. And then the doctors were like, oh, are you ready to see what your baby is? And, um, and then they dropped the curtains and I seen, like, its face and I was like oh my god that's a boy face that is such a boy face and then I looked down next minute at the balls and I was like oh my god that's a boy what the hell I was more in shock like I was just like in denial and then I looked over at my husband and he like started crying and I was like oh okay like I started to realize oh my god we've got a boy like the enormity of having a boy fast was not something we really truly considered Mm. because like I know that you sometimes might think people want a girl or a boy um, especially following a loss but we did kind of accepted that if it's a girl like we just we're not meant to experience a boy in this lifetime after losing Fox Mm. and the fact that we were given another boy was kind of just a really surreal feeling like it just Mm. kind of felt like I can't explain it, but it felt like we were lucky. Like, and I have never really used those words lightly ever since we did lose Fox because luck, it's just something you can't predict at all. So the fact that we lost Fox was never going to be lucky. And for what reason did that happen? I'll never know either. But having another boy just feels like it's like life's way of giving us something back after feeling such an enormity of emotions as well um oh god so giving me goosebumps again <laughs> but it's so true though but not finding out as well through the whole process you hadn't had the opportunity to actually really think about the gravity of the situation of having a boy because you didn't know so yeah. why would you process those feelings and then when once he's here that would have that would have hit you amongst the other emotions to know that okay he's safe and he's okay and yeah. he is actually here yeah and much like the labor signs I was getting I think in, internally I must have known he was a boy and that's mm. why we chose not to find out because I don't think I could have comprehended going through a pregnancy knowing I'm carrying a boy mm. because of the fear of like I felt like 
we don't deserve a boy because we've lost mm. a boy. I felt like constantly if I knew we were having a boy that I felt like something bad would happen or I'd have to like really protect or, you know, really just like kind of distance myself from connecting with the pregnancy. It's hard to connect with a pregnancy when you don't know the gender in general, mm. but there is something different and special about not knowing as well and just like, you know, guessing constantly. Yeah. So that was the way we kept our excitement through that pregnancy. Um, and you did say originally with your pregnancy with Elle that you felt like you disconnected a little bit, probably from an emotional protection piece. Mm. How did you find the remainder of your pregnancy with Cruz? Did you feel like that not knowing kept the excitement for you or were you still hesitant to get too emotionally attached? Yeah, I think the last weeks were the hardest um, in terms of attachment because it's when I really realised that we're so close to meeting this baby now Mm. and you also begin to realise how fragile the life is inside Mm. you because you become a little bit scared. Like I know that there's so much talk about scary things in pregnancy and your mind can sometimes just constantly flicker like because you're waking up lots in the last week. So every time Mm. you wake up, you you check them like have you had movement and you're just like constantly paranoid and yeah I, I think it didn't change it enorm- enormously like I still felt a bit distant but um, it did bring an element of like true excitement because for the first time we were not finding out a gender yeah oh and how did Teddy go through the remainder of your pregnancy because obviously we talk a lot about the mother because you're the one physically carrying the child Um, but obviously it was his third pregnancy as well how did he cope through the process um he probably wanted to divorce me a few times (laughs) (laughs) well I say I wanted to divorce him actually because when I when I say that to him he's like I would never divorce you why would I think that and I'm like surely you hate me like for all the things I've done to you this pregnancy, surely you hate me. <laughs> surely it wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, pregnancy is tough, like, as a couple, regardless. Yeah. Like, it's challenging because you're so much more needy, you're emotional, mm. they've still got freedom, and then take away those last weeks when you become completely immobile almost and, like, add on a toddler who's demanding and needs you, like, then it kind of all shifts onto your husband and at first I think that weight was like a massive learning curve for him because mm. Elle began to rely on him a lot you know Elle needed to be picked up Elle went to Teddy Elle needed food Elle went to Teddy Elle needed to go to the toilet Elle went to Teddy um so she was relying on him heaps and I think he was getting overwhelmed too mm. because it was a new shift a new part of parenting for him um but fast forward to like Cruz's arrival and he's just been in shock ever since like last night we were just laying upstairs on the play mat with Elle was laying in there too because Elle thinks she's a baby too now (laughs) of course Um, she does and she lays next to Cruz and you know they play on the little play mat and he's just looked at me and he's like I still can't believe it's a boy like six weeks later that's I guess the beauty of the surprise the whole pregnancy is that now you spend nine months being in shock <laughs> what the gender is, like, which is truly just crazy. And for people that have now a pigeon pair, a girl and a boy, um, we say we're done. But 
for two people who say they're done, they talk about another child a lot. <laughs> and so soon too. I know. I'm like, oh, okay. We, you're really scaring me. And um, he he did actually try his luck for the first time last night. Oh, did he? And, um, after I love that, this. Did Mahalia come out again? <laughs> well, after actually that that conversation of speaking of another child, I, I really shied away last night. And I was like, I think I'm tired. <laughs> I think I've got a headache coming on. Yeah, like now I'm like, oh, I actually am enjoying the freedom and I feel like we're highly compatible in that department. So I don't want another child just yet. Yeah. (laughs) Give me three years. You've literally spent the last few years of your life being pregnant. I mean, you know, or having a newborn. So it's a huge chunk of time for you to sort of not have that freedom or... Um, even if you do get to do the things that you normally do, it's not the same. You've got to plan for them and you've got little people that you've got to consider and that's massive. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I've never really shied away from it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Might have dinted his ego then. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, well, I'm sure he'll recover. <laughs> um, now, moving forward, obviously... Cruz arrived, he was doing really well for a baby that was born at 36 weeks and we were just speaking off air before about how you were feeling quite blessed that he didn't have any breathing issues or had to go to intensive care or anything like that. So he was somewhat thriving and then you hit a little bit of a bump in the road. Yeah. So what happened there? Um, So my daughter, my daycare attending toddler (laughs) um brought home a little sickness and it didn't affect her too much but she did pass it on to Cruz and um he was only four weeks old he's only he's six weeks old tomorrow so it's all pretty raw still um but basically Saturday he just started coughing a lot and by the afternoon he was coughing a lot more and I called out a home doctor because um, all the doctors are closed and I didn't notice any other signs that um, said to me I should take him to a hospital. So I, I called a home doctor and he came out and assessed him and had cleared him and said he's fine and just probably battling a little bit of a cold. But he had no other signs, like he had no temperature, he had no sucking in of the chest or anything that was concerning, still feeding fine, nappy output still fine. Um, awake time and sleep time still normal every three hours <laughs> um, but about an hour later Teddy had taken Elle out for a walk and I was sitting on the couch just feeding Cruz and then I popped him in my carrier and started to prepare dinner and I just felt he just was making funny noises he, he his breathing kind of like changed to like this strider um is what i now know it's called um and he was struggling to breathe and then i pulled him out and looked at him and he just started going all floppy on me and i'm holding him like just shaking him trying to like get him to come back and it was kind of going worse um which was really scary like my first thought was oh my god like he can't breathe he can't breathe like i need to clear his nose like and I'm trying to find a suction thing to clear his nose. And then I dropped it. And then I put my mouth over his nose to try and clear it. Because I thought, you know, he's congested. He can't breathe. Um, 
and I've called the ambulance at the same time and then I've accidentally hung up on them. Like, you're just freaking out. Of like, you, your child's, like, not here right now, but they're in your arms. And I thought we were about to lose him. Um, so I obviously called the ambulance straight back again and they'd sent one out. Um, and in the meantime, stayed on the phone to the lady, which he had done, like, a massive power spew. And he, like, came back too after that. So he had, like, a bit of a floppy episode and um, he just didn't seem like himself still. So that when the ambulance were here, they were assessing him and he was, like, tachycardic was the word they use, which was, like, a really fast heart rate. Like, newborns have fast heart rates in general, but this was, like, extreme and um, he had mottled skin. So that there was something affecting his oxygen or circulation. Um, so they, you know, said, we'll take you to the hospital, which obviously you do with a newborn anyways. And getting to the hospital, like they did all of his obs and everything seemed fine. Um, but they sent away swabs for his, um, secretions in his nose so that they could test what virus he was carrying or whether you, they weren't concerned of him having anything bacterial, which was good because bacterial, obviously infections scare me knowing what happened to fox that's a bacterial infection mm. um in a newborn and i knew that that was could be a real risk to um having the waters burst even though we had antibiotics after birth it still is always a possibility um but two days later we were still in hospital and the um it came back positive to rsv which is like a respiratory infection and it's quite common you know especially this time of the year and in kids um, they pass it on quite easily, so he'd caught it from L, but because he was so young, it was affecting him a lot more severely. So that was um, pretty traumatic for us, but every day we were feeling quite positive because they were saying, oh, he's doing really well, he didn't have any tubes needed, didn't need any oxygen support. So, you know, by day three, they were looking at sending us home that afternoon. And I just still, in my gut, didn't feel comfortable um, going home but the paediatrician took a fair bit um, to get around to us. So by the time he got around to us that evening, he had actually just started like, um, you know, going downhill a little bit. Mm. You could see him really start to work hard to breathe now. And they said that they would put the feeding tube in him, which I was a bit confused about initially because he was feeding amazing. Um, but they were explaining that he was working hard to feed. That was why he was breathing so fast because his body is like, on the downhill now so he, we need to give him like time to rest so that he's not working so hard and doesn't like damage his lungs or things like that which then made sense um and then the next day it got a bit worse and they had to put oxygen in as well because overnight he was kind of decelerating in between um which was pretty overwhelming like I didn't feel it initially at the time I felt just kind of like okay this is okay this is all right and I think it was later that day that like looking at him and he just oh he's got lungs on him now <laughs> um making up for it you want to say hello too <laughs> yeah looking at him later that day he looked really ill yeah and it just looked like I was looking at that day that Fox was getting worse because when Fox was in NICU you know he went in there as a fresh newborn he was fine like he was ill but he was fine and then every day he kind of looked worse and worse like his face started to swell because he was being pumped full of things and couldn't move and wasn't awake and 
and it was really like when I seen his face begin to swell a little bit and you know not opening his eyes much it just looked like I was looking at my life three years ago again and that was probably really hard to accept in that moment and um yeah sorry that makes me a little bit upset because I think that's when I considered that how bad this could actually be for us Mm. even though I knew it was a common virus and people had good outcomes and good stories it was like deja vu all over again because I remember when Fox was struggling like people told me their good stories and their good outcomes and I didn't have that good outcome so I was scared that we wouldn't have that good outcome and um I just you know like I just feel like how many times can life deal you bad cards but in that moment I truly felt like we could possibly get a bad card here again and um the next day when the pediatrician came around he was positive that he was over the peak of it and was like let's transfer you to the private out of the public um, because we've got private healthcare, so we can use that um and there's a children's ward there and I was like okay that that'll be better um he's like it'll be quieter and I'm confident that he's you know on the uphill now again like he's he's over the worst of it and um that was a little bit more traumatic than I initially thought the transferring process because we like upset him by like moving him out of the crib and deconnecting his wires and then reconnecting them again and then you know taking a long haul walk in a cot traveling along a bumpy ground and then once we settled into the the private like I just felt very overwhelmed and I now realize it was because of a nurse that was looking after us in that transfer process had decided to kind of go against the pediatrician's um, advice and tried to trial her own um, assumptions. She wanted to wean him off oxygen that he was only put on six hours ago. Um, And she's like, said to us, oh, um, we'll only know if he can tolerate by just turning it off. And I was like, but it was only just put on, like this wasn't in the plan. The pediatrician said he'll come back around tomorrow and assess and, you know, and she's like, oh, it's fine. Like I deal with this all the time. And I was like really just like rattled already. And then the fact she did that, like he he, just to watch him struggle because he did struggle was really tormenting for us. And like even my husband stood up and was like, you do know what we've been through before. Like this isn't right. Like, and then she was like, yeah, but this is my job. And then I was like, can you please get, like, the um, the pediatrician in here? I want to see the pediatrician. Like, I'm not happy with this. I need to see the pediatrician if this is – I'm not feeling settled now. And then she's like, Has, is it something, like, that I've done or something about me? And um, No, it's about my child. It's got nothing yeah. to do with you. And she just kept pointing that, like, we were upset with her as a person. And I'm like, I'm upset with the decisions you're making for my child that – you know, you're a nurse and a pediatrician has advised something different. Um, and anyways, the pediatrician came back around that evening and that lady never looked after us again. Um, and, you know, we stuck to the game plan. And what she did was wrong because uh, you should never just turn off oxygen to mm. wean them off. It should be lowered over the course of a few hours and then lowered again. Um, so that was a very traumatic day for me and my husband and we both kind of lost it at each other because we we're blaming each other because I was happy to move to the private because 
in the public I wasn't being fed properly and I'm breastfeeding and I was starving I was up some nights like dry reaching because I was so hungry and I couldn't leave the hospital because we were in an isolation room because he was having a viral infection Mm. so it was very hard to even eat when I'm already getting no sleep and because there's a lot more children up there as well so then I felt like guilty because I felt like I've made this decision for me. Was it the best decision for him though? Like, cause now we just had to deal with a horrible nurse and, and it was just like, just punishing all around that day. Um, but yeah, moving to the next day, things started to get a bit better and we could see home was on the horizon in a few more days. So that kept us going and kind of like gravitated us back together, but spending a week in hospital with, yeah, sick four-week-old, um, especially going through what we'd already been through before was just not the best moment in our lives. And, and of so course not. those four walls is pretty pretty lonely too. Absolutely. And, and terrifying, you know, even though you've been through something so traumatic before, even if you hadn't, like experiencing that with this child is just horrendous. You, you don't know what to expect. You have to try and take their advice on board and if you don't stand up to them I mean god knows what could have happened which is terrifying in itself yeah so anybody's going to feel those emotions in that type of situation when you all of this was happening and you were feeling like he was ill did you guys discuss between each other how you were actually feeling or you didn't really get Um, an opportunity yeah we probably like hide it because you're in denial of what's happening you're Mm. you're trying to stay positive but I think like when my partner when my husband like (laughs) when he starts to feel the weight of things that's when I start to identify my own emotions because I can be a pretty strong brick wall at times I can talk about it and just not have emotion Mm. Um, but when he finally like you know cracks then that's when I realize and I crack too so um it was probably just that that hard one hard day when he kind of put it on me that my decision to you know accept their decision to move to the private may have you know upset him even more and could have ended badly that's when like I felt like it was my fault in ways um I know he didn't intend to do that but it's just like he was getting at that sometimes maybe we're not making decisions best for our children as well Mm. and maybe putting ourselves first um so ultimately now we've pulled Elle out of daycare too and if it was me like I would keep her in daycare keep her normality but now I'm trying to think from the perspective of putting our kids first and what's best for them and I think like I'm more comfortable knowing that you know, Ella's not exposed to so many germs that she's not going to pass it on to Cruz. Mm. And even though it makes my life a little more difficult having her around and not having her do those activities that she does at daycare and give me a break, I'm, I can go to sleep at night more comfortable knowing that she's not going to make Cruz sick until he's got better immunity and things like that. I can look at, you know, him, him her going back to daycare and things like that. So mm. it's kind of just been tr- a learning curve for us in trying to shave um change our perspective and sometimes we wonder whether we dealt these things to kind of like change our perspective and the way we do things in life but as we were mentioning like off this podcast earlier is like other people go through this stuff have raising a toddler and a newborn and their toddler going to daycare and not passing anything on to their newborn and living a perfectly normal life and they won't ever understand 
like my decisions but I won't ever understand how how they got so lucky that their newborn didn't get ill and they didn't have to end up in hospital. A hundred percent and I think that's the key is that it's such a fine line you know you do what you think is best for the situation that you're in and if you don't know any different then potentially you don't know any better so you know we all make decisions as parents thinking that we're doing the right thing and you can only base them on the information at the time and I, I think you know we do scrutinize ourselves when it comes to those decisions you know there was no reason for you to have think that a nurse was going to go a bit rogue and make her own decisions on his oxygen you were thinking at the time I'm breastfeeding I need to keep up my stores let's just move it'll be a better environment so it's just those emotions that come out which is standard and I think you touched on it before sometimes we get so caught up in trying to be positive or trying to think about the right things that then when someone else acknowledges that it's okay to break down that's when you let your walls down and go okay well actually shit I'm feeling this too yeah yeah absolutely and the day like we got to take him out of hospital like I don't think we've ever been so grateful to Mm. walk out of there sorry it makes me emotional because I know what it's like to walk out of hospital with nothing in your arms so walking out with him recovering from his sickness was just like golden like it's it's truly another lucky moment in our life like and yeah I can't explain it like I don't even want to leave the house again to be honest because now I'm so scared of germs (laughs) and that was actually going to be my next question you know you've you've been through so much and again we were talking before off air is that you know, you hear so many parents who don't experience any issues and not that you would ever wish it upon anybody, but sometimes it's easy to look at it and go, well, God, haven't we been through enough? So how do you think this might change your parenting going forward? Because not only have you been through a really difficult time with losing Fox, you've then gone through this whole scare with Cruz, which does shine a light on just how fragile they are and just how much they need from you. Do you think it will change your parenting going forward? Yeah, like as much as I'd like to say it won't change my parenting because I want to give my children like the freedom to experience lots of things and be exposed to different environments. And, you know, like I think daycare is so good for toddlers as well. Mm. Um, But it it is going to change my parenting. I have to be brutally honest because being faced with that, that situation again is terrifying and you know, we've got at least five sanitizing bottles around this house right now. Um, you know, when you bring home a newborn, you've got sanitizer always in your house anyways. Yeah. But they've doubled, like, and now we're a little bit more, like, you know, cautious with guests and parents and visitors. You know, my dad travels a lot weekly and I'm even nervous to come across him right now because I know how exposed he is at the airports to germs and my mum like that lives with him you know like I'm even cautious of her now like it's just Mm. kind of makes me feel like everyone's a threat um I'm sure I'll calm down again soon but yeah for the time being like I've pulled her out of swimming as well I just I'm just paranoid and Mm. and maybe I need to be like because I'm paranoid in general but I try to be relaxed for the sake of my children's well-being and life but now I'm thinking okay I'm paranoid let's live life in a bubble being paranoid (laughs) (laughs) let's never leave the house but I think that's it's actually good for you to say that because I think people need to be respectful of that as well because again if you haven't experienced it 
you don't understand the gravity of that type of situation. So if you're making a choice to say, hey, we're not coming to a birthday party because we've just been exposed to germs or, hey, if you walk in here, can you smother yourself in sanitizer? People need to respect that because it's much better than the alternative. And if they can't, then, well, maybe they should visit another time. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I um, have had a, a question actually that's been asked a lot um, in terms of since we know Cruz is a boy is the names we had on our list for boys. Oh, and yes. girls even. Yep. So lots of people need names apparently. <laughs> oh, they do, they do. <laughs> so um, I thought I would share some because – Look, I, I, you just don't know what to call your kid yep. when you don't know the gender. Sometimes when you even know the gender, like Elle, we didn't decide on her name till the day before. But we had a list of a lot of names. And if we had a girl, I was pretty set on naming her Anya. So oh, I love that, that name. name is actually like comes back to a meaning. It was my great grandma's name um, from Germany and it just it just felt special. We were gonna call her like Un- Anya Jane Fitzgerald. Just no no meaning to the middle name Jane. I did actually like the name Jane as a first name, um, as well like plain Jane. <laughs> I know. Um, get looking a good at rap. you and Teddy, she would not have been plain, but, <laughs> yeah. but I, I liked it. So we were like Anya Jane Fitzgerald sounds great for a girl. Um, but I also liked the names like Ted doesn't like them all, but Demi was another one. Pia was one we always had that we liked. Havana, Vivian, Kira was high on the list. Kira was also meant to be Elle's name, but I turned that down last minute. <laughs> Girl names are just easy. Like you can just, they're always pretty. So they always yep. kind of sound okay. Whereas boy names we really struggled with. And even Cruz's name is one name that just came to us when he was born like Mm. not when he was born three days after he was born (laughs) he was no name for a while yeah he was no name for a few days and Cruz wasn't even on our list but I think we were just talking about him and how he seemed like a cruisy guy and we just (laughs) kind of threw it in there and we're like he is a cruisy guy like let's just call him Cruz and then we just make jokes now that he just cruised on into the world and well he pushed himself out (laughs) he just made his appearance when he was ready yeah so um, that's how Cruz's name came about. But I liked the name um, Jude. Teddy didn't approve. Teddy liked Bo. But then I just remember growing up hearing, reading the name Bo. And it just, it should be spelled B-O-W. But it's spelled B-E-A-U. Yeah. And I just could never pronounce it right. I just used to be always like, aren't their names Bu? Bu? <laughs> like, so I just Fitzgerald. Yeah, I just couldn't settle on that one. Um, I didn't mind Christian if we were to go like... I like Christian, yeah. Yeah, so I liked Christian. Um, But our top ones kind of came down to Knox was one we were really Mm -hmm. considering. But then I just felt like it rhymed to Fox, Knox and Fox. And I was like, "Uh, it just doesn't feel right like um, doing that. And we also liked Eden. Um, Oh, that's... You don't hear that very often. Yeah, which I thought was cute. Um, And Teddy liked... Tex, which was another name that he just came up with randomly the way he did Fox. And so I thought we were honestly going to go with Tex. Oh. Um, it's, yeah, it's... <laughs> <Lovely> exes. <laughs> yeah. So Tex is kind of weird. And it's funny because we didn't name Cruz Tex, obviously, but um, 
a few weeks later, I seen a friend's son named Tex and he was like nine months old or something. Oh, wow. Um, and I was like, wow, like I've never heard that name in my whole life. And then someone's got a nine month old friend's kid with it. And I was like, <laughs> wow, like maybe it's not that weird. Um, but other ones was like Byron, Harvey, Hyde. I thought Hyde was kind of cute. Yeah, but Hyde's cute. Again, it's probably one of those questionable names that I'll slap myself in the face for later. <laughs> um, Teddy liked Freddie. I also liked Theo a lot because Theo, well, my husband's mm-hmm. name's nickname's Teddy and Theo, Theodore's nickname is Teddy, Teddy. but we wouldn't go with Theodore. I wanted Theo for yeah. Theo. And the meaning of Theo is divine gift. And because the baby um, was conceived on our wedding evening, I was like, it, that's it. Like, it's a divine gift. <laughs> Special wedding present. Yeah. Um, so now, so you're giving away all these baby names. Yeah. What, am, what about baby number three? Well, I just figured that I'll have a new list. Okay. <laughs> like, look at how say. many is on my current list. Because <laughs> you, you've, and even earlier, you, I don't know, you're not convincing. You're not convincing whether it's going to stop here or whether there'll be another one. <laughs> yeah. Not that you need to make that decision look, now. Oh, yeah. Like, I want to stop here. But I know for both of us, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. But we also really want a bigger house and yep. we like luxury things and having another kid kind of, we can do it, but we don't know like yeah. yet as well. And because I work for myself, it's obviously more challenging for me adding another kid now that they're not going to daycare. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's actually a perfect segue because last time I had you on, um, and as you know, I normally ask about the me before mummy and what it is that you reconnect or how you reconnect with that person that you were pre-children. And for you, it was working and your career and you've gone out on your own. How is all that going? Because you've now got a newborn and that's come with its own whole set of challenges so how is the whole being self-employed thing while trying to juggle two children (laughs) oh my god it's crazy (laughs) let's just say that it's crazy especially because I was working to a timeline of Cruz being born at 38 weeks yeah so I've been training a girl but not really like hardcore Mm -hmm. and then Cruz came along and I was like shit (laughs) how am I going to train her now yeah (laughs) um but we've we've now moved into like a way we're we're adjusting I'm still able to work um Mm -hmm. and people think I'm crazy for doing that with a newborn but I'm just not the type to switch off like I can't sit down and watch Netflix for every sleep time or rest time like I've got to always be doing something if I wasn't working and making money I would be cooking up like everything in this house and be making like (laughs) amazing meals and I would be hanging around the front door (laughs) waiting for your leftovers (laughs) and after Fox was born that's what I actually did that's like how I came out with my recipe ebook that I put on my website because I was just cooking up a storm I was bored I needed to do something yeah Um, and so that's what I figured I'm a person that's always doing something and that's why I was like I know I can do this it is definitely more challenging, but I do have now help. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom obviously helps out with the kids. And then um, I've got an employee now, Leah, um, who does a lot of the brand side of the marketing stuff and administration work. So it's taken a massive load off me. Yeah. And um, moving forward, I'm probably going to look to hire another person as well because I just see nothing but growth on the horizon. 
And rather than shutting it down because of this time of my life that I'm in, I'm just going to roll with it and go, you know, keep climbing. Um, and I'll just handle the logistics of family life the best way I can. Yeah. Um, but I do still find it important to put my kids first and mm. um, I really do want to spend time with them and stuff. So um, in my workplace, we've actually now started Family Friday. So now we don't work on a Friday um, because I work with a lot of influencers that are mums as well. Um, they're busy as, as well and it's stressful trying to juggle like, you know, sponsorships and promotion work and then trying to allocate days that, you know, having a day where you are not allowed to check your emails. If they reply to an email on a Friday, that's naughty. <laughs> Very naughty. And you can, you can give them a bit of a serve for that because yeah. you're a mum and that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, so we've kind of banned it and I completely won't be checking mine as well because we did a trial run um, last week and it was just like you felt like a new woman. You felt mm. amazing because you spent a whole day truly present with your kids, not intermittently checking your emails when they're in a nap time or when they're occupied eating and stuff because otherwise your mind's constantly flicking between being a parent and trying to get your work done. Mm. So just now, now that's three days a week, every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just not really engaging with work. So finding those mediums along the way so that we can still allow for growth but still be a good parent is important mm. and then my l knows that you know on other days that um mondays and wednesdays i think mondays and thursdays i'm working my mom's looking after her um and then she goes down for a nap and in the afternoon i'm with her and but the other days i'm here with her and then doing that constant juggle of between work and parenting as well but yeah I I always make sure to stop if she's asking me for something or needs my attention to make sure that I'm present with her or if I think she needs to go out to the park for a play for an hour that I go and do that and I guess that's the benefits of working from home is that mm. you're in control of those circumstances and um as much as like work is important and you know you've got clients to get back to people's and timelines and it's stressful and you could easily say no I can't go to the park today I need to try and always remind myself that I work for myself I'm my own boss these people can wait mm -hmm. and that's kind of now how I've really tried to structure my mind for 2020 because in 2019 I felt like I was constantly up late at night you know stress working trying to get back to people you know didn't want to leave anyone waiting and now I'm like you know what it doesn't matter you can wait <laughs> yeah absolutely and I think it is that juggle though particularly going into a self-employed space you want to work really really hard to build up that business so that you can have that flexibility but I think having those non-negotiables is really important as well because yeah. you know at the end of the day well case in point look what you've just gone through children will test you and life will test you and you've got to make sure you've got your priorities in check yeah absolutely and while I'm at it just in case you have any listeners in the Brisbane area that are marketing whizzes I am definitely on the hunt for someone else Ooh, to join my team I love that um so definitely just give me a message or something because I really am looking for someone who really knows marketing and working with brands and just being able to you know coach them through 
some situations, but we'll, we can talk about that further privately. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you've just, just popped that in there. Like, just call me, but I will put all of your details in the show notes as well so that you can get on to yeah. Michaela. Um, there's 26 marketing will be her business page. And then obviously her Instagram at Michaela, and I'll put her website details in the show notes as well. But thank you so much for joining me again and being so open and honest about your story. Um, there are, I got so much feedback and I'm sure you did as well after your first episode and, and it's all about communicating and talking about these topics that we just don't talk about enough and I think if you're lucky enough to not go through this experience or to not know anybody who goes through this experience, it's all about just being aware that it does happen and motherhood is certainly a, such a ride. So yeah, thank you for being so honest. No, I really thank appreciate you. It. Thank, thanks for chatting again today. Thank you. <laughs> No, oh, isn't she just incredible? I honestly think that everything that they've been through, the amount of resilience and grace that they've shown is just such a testament to the amazing humans that they are. And you would obviously never wish their circumstances upon anybody. But the fact that Michaela in particular has been so open to sharing her journey to help others, I think is a real testament to the person that she is. So I'm really happy that we've been able to share, again, the next chapter of her life and highlight that, you know, life is not always easy, but it's a good opportunity to learn from these things and to take the good points where you can. Now, the things that I took away from today's conversation, obviously, we delved into Cruz's birth story. And I think from that, the main theme is to make sure that you use your voice and make sure that you're confident with the professionals that are looking after you. It's okay to ask questions and it's okay to make comments around how you think that your birth experience should go. Obviously, medical professionals are always going to have their opinion, but you being comfortable in the situation is equally as important. The other thing that Michaela highlighted in our chat is that pregnancy is tough. It can change the dynamic of not only your relationship, but also your parenting relationship, particularly when there's a younger child involved or any child for that matter. It's important to communicate with each other and just be aware of those differences so that you can adjust to those changes prior to the newborn coming on board. Because again, there will be more changes after that happens. In terms of Cruz's medical scare, I think the theme repeats itself from earlier is that you should not be afraid to speak up. You're allowed to question the decisions that are being made for you and your child and it's important to voice your opinion. Now, when it comes to this whole experience in general, I think the key theme that we can all take away is that if you have not experienced it, you do not have the right to judge or I'm going to throw in there, probably comment on it as well. In Michaela's instance, they've just gone through a very traumatic experience with their newborn. And as she touched on, she's really not that keen on leaving the house at the moment. So if a parent makes a decision or asks you to do something that's relevant to their child, like dousing yourself in sanitizer, getting a whooping cough vaccination or staying away for a period of time if you have been ill, you need to make sure that you respect it. Again, 
every circumstance is different and we all make our own decisions as parents, but it's important for others around us to make sure that we're respectful of that. If you would like to follow more of Michaela's journey, you can find her over on Instagram at Michaela and I'll be sure to put her handle along with her business details and both of her websites in the show notes as well. Now on to you, my friend. I am going to give you a little bit of homework. If you have not done so already, I urge you to carve out a snippet of time to give back to yourself and the me before mummy. It can be a few minutes or a few hours, just an opportunity to reconnect with that person that you were pre-children and give back to yourself. If you would like to share it with myself and other mamas, you can do so over on social media by using the hashtag themebeforemummy and tagging myself at Mummy Republic. But in the meantime, remember to take a breath, take some time for yourself and know that you're doing a damn good job. Thank you again so much for joining me. I cannot wait to share more stories with you. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Thanks again. Lots of love and I'll see you next week.